Listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free with Stitcher Premium, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. There's a theme here. It's it's more, in case you didn't catch that. Just $4.99 a month. Go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code THEWILDLIFE for one month free. This is Devin Boker, and you are listening to The Wildlife, a show hosted by two brothers that tells nature's untold stories and wild secrets. Dad, this is my computer. That's my son, not Richard, in case you couldn't tell. Richard uh, is not joining us this week. He has uh, finally concluded his journey moving to Minnesota. So he is now actually living locally with with me. Not not with me, but you know, near me. And so that means a lot of cool things. Um, but in the realm of the wildlife, that means, like, guess what? He's going to be in person. And so we're going to be recording in person and not 1,500 miles away. At this moment... I am uh, sitting with my son, looking out the window, watching grackles comb through the backyard like some sort of uh, search party for a murder victim, which is, I suppose, a little bit grim and glib and unintended, but it is what it is. Just like this is episode 49. It's also episode 49 without Ryan Reynolds as a guest to compare and contrast real Wolverines with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Why not have Hugh Jackman on the show to do so? Why not have a real Wolverine on the show to do so? Well, you can ask my high school students who are the ones who came up with this idea and who have asked me to keep this going as long as it takes to get Ryan on the show. And especially now that we're doing the whole distance learning thing, um, they are they are very set on they need this. <laughs> they need they need Ryan to uh, to pop on the show and to do this because it will make their life. Their lives that have been drastically changed um, in a in a variety of ways since this whole international pandemic thing started. So um, that is my guilt trippy attempt to get Ryan um, on the show. Of course, I'll be tagging you like we do every week, and uh, you know, you know, we'll just go with it. Also, though, with it being episode forty nine, that means that our next episode, guess what? It's episode fifty. And we threw around a lot of ideas trying to come up with what we wanted to talk about. If we wanted to talk about you know, our favorite animals, do, do that really annoying thing that sitcoms like to do when they hit certain landmarks where they just kind of do a review of best moments through the years. Um, talking about numbers since there's so much exposure to numbers right now in relation to you know, the coronavirus. And, uh, what we decided on doing is, you know what, we feel like our greatest asset as well as our greatest goal is community. And so why not do something with our community? So next Friday at 7 p.m., so May 1st at 7 p.m., we are going to be hosting a live trivia game on Zoom. If you want to participate, spots are going to be limited. So uh, look at the link for our contact form in the episode notes. We are going to be giving out prizes. We are going to be talking about past episodes. Yes, a lot of the questions are going to be pulled based on topics we've talked about in the past. No, you do not have to have listened to the first 49 episodes in order to uh, participate or to even potentially win. This is just something that we thought would be great for uh, you know us to do, us to connect with you. Uh, plus, we also have a couple of really big announcements, like really big ones none of which are Ryan Reynolds appearing on the show, um, but some, some big announcements nonetheless. Now, uh, right, right before we get into it, I do want to go ahead and thank our patrons, Andrea Lloyd, Bridget Fitzgerald, Matt Capel, Chris Trankel, Megan Gariani, and now... I did. I see that, buddy. And now... I pressed the lock button. You did press the lock button while I'm using the computer. That's okay, though. Such is life with children in quarantine. Um, so so uh, uh, our newest patron is Maria Hancox, who, yes, in case that name sounds familiar, it should because you clicked on the episode with her name in the title. She is also our guest on the episode. Now, let me tell you. When we started The Wildlife, our original goal was, hey, let's, let's answer listener-submitted questions. 
Well, when you start a podcast, you don't have listeners. It takes a while to build them up. So uh, that idea kind of went by the wayside and we assembled a, a list of topics and decided to start coming through those instead. Um, now though, we, we've experienced a lot of growth. Um, we have a, a listener base. Um, so we decided, especially after our conversation with Karina Newsom, um, a bit of a change in pace for, for what we normally do, um, but it went really well and we really enjoyed the time. Um, and you know, right now, with everything being what it is, you know that that connection and um, uh, finding finding similarities and familiarity and talking to real people that that kind of stuff is important and we wanted to um, we wanted to do so. So after a sort of what what was probably intended to be a tongue in cheek response to an Instagram story, um, Maria said, "I'm I'm patiently waiting for uh, you to interview me as a guest on <laughs> the wildlife." Uh, even though I have no uh, academic expertise and mostly chase butterflies and use iNaturalist, something along those lines. And I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. I followed her for uh, quite some time anyway. Um, she's got some excellent, excellent artwork, excellent nature photography, just a good eye for interesting and unique things in the outside world. Um, and, and just, you know, genuinely a really cool person. So we thought, why not talk to a, a real person about their perspective on on nature and the outdoors and some of the things that we've talked about in the past um, and just um, just connect just connect oh so uh, with my with my uh, uh, temporary co-host in lap um, I, I'm going to um, chime off here for a little bit I'll only chime in a couple of times throughout the remainder of the episode to give some sort of uh, call outs to other past episodes or, or, or a couple of other things um, but the last thing that I would like to say is if you would like to be on the show to do the exact kind of thing that Maria is doing today um, absolutely um, send us a message and also know that if you become a patron at patreon.com slash the wildlife for as little as a dollar a month, you automatically get that opportunity, like literally right away. So there's that. Okay, now uh, sit back and just uh, take in the conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Now, Maria, I um, I've been following you on Twitter. I always hate saying that because it sounds super creepy. I've been following you on Twitter and, and Instagram for a while. I think Instagram first. Um, I originally, I think it was last July, I want to say, um, where I had seen. I was just kind of scrolling through, you know, doing that thing where you're like, you know, if you had if you turned on your front facing camera, you'd be really disappointed in what you see. And I was just kind of scrolling through, and I, I saw this painting of a of a tick. I think it was a Lone Star tick. Oh man! And what got you? Yeah, and I was like, oh wow, that's well. Okay, so here's why. Um, my first summer in Minnesota, um, I was I was you know naive, skipping through the grass and doing whatever I was doing, and I got a a tick, and shortly after I had a bullseye mark and I didn't really think much of it because I was kind of oblivious to the whole thing. turns out I ended up with Lyme disease and it was horrible. Like it really sucked, but in this weird way, um, and it's even still sometimes like if I get like a blood test, there's even the antibodies to the bacteria that causes it, um, in, in the blood and everything still. And so like in this weird way, I'm always kind of like, you know, I should get a tick tattoo. Like they're kind of like a part of me now. And, but then I've always been like, but they're so ugly. Like they can't possibly look pretty. So why would I get like a tick tattoo, tick tack, tick tack, tick tattoo. And then I saw that painting. I was like, oh wait, hold up. They can be pretty. Like that's actually really cool. Um, and then, so I started following and then, then like I found like two or three other accounts that you have. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, it was just kind of like, oh wow, this seems like a really cool person. And then your Twitter feed is amazing by the way. I really enjoyed the spilling your queso in the car uh, saga. That that was that was gold. So well, all of the accounts are so different. I have my Twitter account that is really just for posting dumb stuff. Like occasionally I'll post about a bug that I found, but otherwise it's really just my day. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that you saw the art account first. I really thought you had just been like 
and I was scrolling on your explore page and found my my nature account and I thought this is how all that like mutual following started so it's kind of cool that that first um, little painting that I did out of like a little series is what like is causing this to happen right now yeah yeah no I saw it and I was like oh god that is just that is amazing I I'm always sort of um like I really enjoy sketching and painting and drawing and usually animals and things like that but like I'm not super great at it. <laughs> and so I usually do like watercolor colored pencils and I really like painting, but it usually ends up looking like, you know, someone in middle school just threw something together in art class and turned it in to get a, to get a C or something. And I'm like, well, okay. Art is just cathartic and just something to do. If it turns out, then it does. And if it doesn't, it's still art. Yeah. But you, um, from, from what I can see, I mean, granted, obviously, of course, you don't post like literally everything that you do, but like from what you post, like, I mean, it's not, it's not only, um, good for the, good for the mental health. It's, it's like really solid, good art. Thank you. Really genuinely good. So, um, yeah, no, I had seen that. And then, um, I think it was in your personal account and then your, your outdoor account, which I was really confused at first because I found, I think it was Maria. Is it Maria outside? Yeah. So, and just so you know, in our, in our episode notes and stuff, I'm going to put, I'm going to put links to your social and stuff if that, if that's okay. But, um, I, I saw the Maria outside and there's some pictures of some bugs and things from like a botanical garden or, and I was like, Oh, these are really cool. And then I saw a picture of you and I was like, Oh wait, this is the same person. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this is awesome. She's got like multiple things going on here. This is cool. So I need to really learn to reel it in because I've had ideas of starting like for hiking trail Instagrams and pictures of when the sky is really pretty and I'm going to edit <laughs> them. So I think it's taken some work, but I'm really honing in and keeping just those three. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think kindred spirit in that area, because like I have my, my dove in the nature guy one, and then I have the one for the wildlife and then I have one for teaching and then I have one for this like spinoff podcast that we haven't really done anything with. And then one for a book club. And then I like randomly created a friendly neighborhood spiders man, like spiders comma man one. And then I posted like three spider pictures too. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? I, I just need to use hashtags or something. I don't know. You're going to have to send me all of these uh, account profiles. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're slowly building up and my notifications are going crazy. So <laughs> Um, I, 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 I'm right there with you. I need to find somewhere to reel it in, but, um, so I do have a question. You're, I guess, starting with the art because my, my, um, familiarity with you started there. You know, what's, what's your background with that? Like, is it just like self-taught or what's that? Yes, I would say so. I, I asked this question a lot and I could not tell you when I started to be considered good or yeah. good. Um, I had the same art teacher all throughout, like, K through 12. I had her for 12 years. She's my favorite people, very much encouraging. And any access I had to materials um, was through school. Mm -hmm. So I worked mainly with acrylic, and I did black and gray portraits um, for the most part, and then kind of moved on to only trying oil, actually, within the last year. Um, so I guess more so I like considered myself an acrylic portrait artist for a while until May of last year when I started to do those little oil color paintings like the yeah. type that you saw. Yeah. Um, so now I'm almost exclusively like oil portraits or um, just other little animals that I want to bust out in my free time. Mm -hmm. They're they're really good, and I even just saw was it. When was it? I mean, it, it was actually a couple of weeks ago, I think, where like you did one of Haley Williams and then she actually like mentioned you on Instagram for it and stuff. It wasn't necessarily for that. She had watched the story that I posted with the people oh. saw it and then she just released new music. So I had shared that and like tagged her yeah. in it. She reposted that. Um, I think at the rate that we're going, maybe she'll see it. I actually have another canvas prepped to do a second photo from the or second painting from that shoot. Mm -hmm. Maybe that one will be acknowledged. <laughs> well, they're really good. I mean, they're just really, really good. Um, so why, like, why animals? Why, why the tick? I guess. 
Oh man. So the take is, <laughs> I wrote notes just in case sure. I wanted to talk about and in my notebook, I wrote hate takes and circled it like three times. <laughs> I hate talking about it so much, <laughs> but I'm glad that you asked. Um, so I don't think it's an, any you know, secret that I love the podcast ologies. And I know uh -huh. that we've had some um, mutual like agreement on how good it is. Yeah. So for a couple of the episodes, I decided I'd make a painting based on them. Um, I met Allie back last May and I had given her five of the mini tile paintings based on the episode. So I just continued on with it because mm -hmm. it, for me, as opposed to doing commissions or painting for other people and having to give it away. Yeah. Um, and acarology was the following one. So I painted that tick and was really happy with how it turned out. Um, and then from that point on, I was just painting stuff for every episode. Um, and recently that's kind of decreased. Um, I don't feel like I have as much time to do it. Well, maybe sure. quarantine I might. <laughs> for several weeks and several months, that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you met, you, so you met Allie back in, well, how, how did that come about? Was it just a uh, happenstance or was it, yeah. So um, I live in Michigan, Southeast yeah. Michigan, and Allie does um, some science commentary um, and stuff for like Innovation Nation and the Invention Convention. And I have a, I think I had posted in the Ologies podcast Facebook group about wanting more friends to go to museums with me. And I found a couple resident um, Ologites and we kind of ganged together. And I tweeted at her about when she's coming to Michigan because we all wanted to meet her. And she gave me a time and place and we all met up and made signs and wore t-shirts and oh that's cool I gifted her those paintings and some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so that was supposed to happen again this year but unfortunately with this pandemic um, yeah it was but she I mean she comes around Dearborn pretty often for the Henry Ford Museum yeah 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 I need to get out there sometime too I've uh my my wife has been to that museum and stuff before and said it's just absolutely amazing I we we live in um we live about an hour north of like the metro area like twin cities and that's where like all the really good museums are and so it's like once in a blue moon that i actually get a chance to go down there and then it's one of those like you take it for granted sort of things that you know now that you know so much is kind of locked down i'm like oh man i really should have gone to the museum <laughs> so i've been doing a lot of like virtual tour kind of things um since, you know, so my time in Detroit, in Ann Arbor, that if you're ever out here, you should go to. There's archaeology museums, a couple of like natural history ones, two like an ungodly amount of art museums. Um, highly recommend. Yeah. So, um, what was what's your um interest in science? Like, did it start by listening to ologies and kind of going down rabbit holes with that, or or have you always been interested in science and nature? Or so this is I I love telling people about this because in high school I hated science <laughs> so much when I took like the ACT my worst subject was science like I couldn't read graphs and do anything along those lines without failing miserably yeah um, so it just was not my favorite thing granted I liked being outside and I liked you know the domestic animals like I love my cat <laughs> yeah sure as far as it went um and I don't know guess exactly when that like turned um you know I I had a forensics class in high school that I think may have helped learning more so about like anatomy and you know the skeleton specifically and that kind of thing I think yeah piqued my interest because it was ultimately I decided on forensic anthropology as a major and I think <laughs> that's super sciencey yeah um, having anatomy and like looking at it that way and just like thinking of bones as a puzzle like really helps making it like a game almost yeah yeah oh i i 100 feel that that's how i had to handle anatomy and stuff back in the day was just kind of like making it almost a like an internal competition kind of like game and mystery to solve and yeah gosh. and there's so much to remember and i like prided myself on being able to do it yeah so like that was the first thing I felt like I was good at and it was easy to kind of pick up other stuff to see what I could do. Mm -hmm. um, as for animals specifically, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing where now I feel like I really love insects and they're my go-to, like I want to find them. Whereas before I was terrified, I would not let anything, even like a 
be anywhere near me. Um, and now I put them on my face and I like <laughs> pocket and I have like, you know, jars of specimens up on my shelves right now. Um, I think just in general, like learning more about them made it a lot easier to want to be around them. So yeah. yeah, I'd say like the podcasts and ologies really had a hand in that. Um, I think it was the ant episode that made me view them in a whole other light. Um, mm -hmm. Now I will sit and watch them and just think about what they're doing like all the time. Whereas before I would have stopped on those suckers and ran in the other direction. <laughs> ants, are, ants are actually like really, really cool. I, I was watching Bugs Life this morning too with my son and I, I haven't seen it in years. And I, I noticed that like one of the, it's like the old ant, I don't know her name, but she like had a little aphid pet. And I never caught that as a kid, but now like knowing about it, I'm like, oh, that's actually awesome that they included that because the whole aphid farming thing and um, ants are just so, so interesting. And I always think about like people and I feel like, you know, like, yeah, okay. Like when people are like up in a building and stuff and they're looking, they're like, oh, we look like ants. But like we actually very genuinely in so many ways are like ants and like ants do this like mindless wandering sort of thing where they're just kind of looking around and then they find something and they lay a scent trail and then everyone's like, Oh, okay. I guess I'll go over here and pick up this tasty thing and go back home with it. And then you'd like scale that up to people. And it's like, someone was like, Oh, here's a really great spot to open a McDonald's. And then cause they open a McDonald's there. Then it's like, Oh, well now here's a lot of people. Let's put a gas station. And then it's like, we are so much like ants when it really comes down to it. I'm so glad you brought up the aphids because I just recently watched um, the same movie a couple weeks ago um, with a friend of mine and I was just going off about all these things that I noticed that I wouldn't have realized as a kid too. Um, and I, I wrote down in my notes uh, in aphid mutualism because I wanted to talk about it at some point. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. I, I want to say it was last summer, probably around July, I was at the botanical garden I frequent um, in Ann Arbor and I had bought like a $7 macro lens from Walmart and I just attached it to my iPhone 7. And, yeah. Um, I saw an ant on this boardwalk. So I was just taking like 100 pics of it, just trying to see if I could get a good one. Mm -hmm. um, later on, when I was revisiting those photos, I noticed it had something in its mouth, but I did not know what it was. So I threw it in this like science Facebook group that I'm in and they helped me identify it as an aphid. And I spent hours doing research. Yeah. That's just, it's wild to think about. Is, I mean, something even smaller than the ant that you would consider like unimportant. Um, that's, I don't know, they have their whole separate system and I just would have never paid attention to that. So in a sense, in listening to ologies and putting more effort into like learning about these insects, I'm like really paying attention to the things I wouldn't have noticed. And that in a sense makes me feel like I'm living life a little differently. Yeah. It yeah. feels more important that way. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you, you might remember back when we were kind of doing things in a season basis, and it was like season two, maybe episode four, where we did an episode all about ant farms. So uh, if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go back in and, and check that out because there's a lot of really cool stuff about like symbiosis with, with fungi and antimicrobial stuff and ant aphid farming and it's it's just a really cool topic yeah well even like the, the you know the stroking the aphid with the antenna to make it you know release honeydew and so it's like what like that's but even i i think i think the ultimate thing there and that's kind of the same like theme of like people who like to go birding or it's like this whole chasing curiosity element it's like you see this little thing and then rather than being like oh that's cool and walking and never thinking about it again, like taking the time to like upload it on Facebook and be like, Hey, what's this? And then getting an answer and then chasing that lead. And it's, it's almost like reporting, but only for yourself. <laughs> it's like kind of like a individual journalism sort of thing, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I think that's what like I'd consider my Instagram is like this little like photo diary of the things that I've seen. And I'd considered there's a couple of them, like the ant one that I have carrying the aphid, where there's a caption describing what's happening, but a mm -hmm. lot of the ones are just like, hey, I saw this, and it's for me to, like, look back on later. Um, yeah, I think you're on to something when it comes to, you know, chasing the lead and learning more, um, even in, pre like, preparing for this conversation with you, when I was trying to go back to think about my favorite, like, 
nature finds stories, I ended up learning a couple more things about the insects I was going to bring up. Yeah. So what's like, what's your, um, like, what do you want to obsess about? Like, what's your, what's your like big one? Oh man, I love so much. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's tough because I'm knowledgeable about them, but I think more than anything, I'm just really good at identifying them. Um, mm. Makes me feel like they're my favorite just because I like know them when I see them. Um, realistically, I don't know more than I've heard in like science podcasts. <laughs> or sure. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's my big go-to. I have like five of them tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> the metamorphosis metaphor is um, something that we've done an episode on the past where we uh, talked to Dr. Martha Weiss at Georgetown about um, well what really takes place inside of the chrysalis and, and memory and uh, flipping the script on the metaphor as a whole uh, one of our favorite topics one of our favorite episodes so highly recommend you take a listen to that obviously the link will be in the episode notes i think they're i think they're pretty cool they're they're definitely one of those things where like i mean even myself um I, it was kind of like so I want, okay, so like one, I totally understand what you're saying about how like, because you can identify them, it's like, do, do I like them more or is it that I know what they look like? And so it's like, I can point them out and they're like, it's like seeing a friend on the street or like even, even like seeing a teacher outside of school. It's not like your friends necessarily, but you're like, oh, hey, right, <laughs> Mr. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like butterflies i think i think for a very long time i just kind of saw them and was like okay yeah they're they're pretty and and metamorphosis is cool and stuff i guess um but then i kind of moved on from there but like the more that i've learned about them the the cooler they actually are yes i i love explaining to my friends how gross they are i love like stuff out on my porch for a while to see what they come to and i guess like at least red ad, uh, admirals really love gross like rotting cherry tomatoes I've noticed yeah. and so that's like especially during the summer I'm outside making really gross butterfly food um and I think I don't know my friends have like their own connection to butterflies where they're like oh I see them and think of my mom or I see them yeah and, you know I think they're pretty I'm like oh they're so disgusting <laughs> you have you no know, idea I'm so happy you say that because like that's always kind of my thing with butterflies is yeah, like so people, people. I mean, just in general with animals, they there's a lot of symbolism that they attach and stuff. And like butterflies are just this one that people attach a lot of like metaphor to, and you know, you know about change and 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 becoming something new and um, grace and beauty and, and 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 it's like yeah, but they also like drink blood and sweat and like drink tears straight out of eyeballs and like <laughs> the the whole mud puddling thing. Um, there's also this, um, there's a dirty secret, a dirty truth about butterflies and moths that a lot of people don't know about and probably don't want to know about. Nevertheless, we did a, a short on this topic, maybe about a 15 minute episode um, last summer at some point. And of course, the link will be in the episode notes. I was actually really excited because um, last, last summer I was looking for i was with the usda and we were driving around through um uh some like uh i'm blanking on the word here not lumber trails but like forestry forestry roads in northern minnesota and um actually had them stop and pull over because there was like a whole bunch of swallowtails like 50 swallowtails all on the ground like drinking up the mud and i got so excited and like had to get out and try to get their picture none of them turned out but it was so cool feel that so hard. I have so many experiences where I'm seeing like a single butterfly and I chase it for 20 minutes trying to see if I can at least get a good photo to identify it or to learn yeah. more about it. And then I, there was one time, there's only ever been one time when I've been walking a trail and I want to say maybe 30 banded hair started like circling my head. And I was so confused because I thought there were flies at first because they're pretty tiny. Yeah. But that is the closest I've come to seeing maybe more than two at a time. And I'm just like waiting for that moment to pull over or like stop over on a trail to just see a bunch of them, like, you know, grabbing like salt from mud or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, even just the whole, I mean, the metamorphosis thing is super cool too. And like, um, I, I feel, I feel, um, 
So like, I mean, even my boss recently had sent out this, you know, we're doing online learning stuff for our high school students. And so it's a big transition and it's a lot of change. And she had sent out this thing, like embrace the goo and had talked about how like butterflies melt in there or like caterpillars will melt in the, and she said cocoon and like had a whole bunch of stuff. And then like later on, I like came back with like, um, an addendum to the rust because I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I just love this whole topic. And I feel like I can't just let, let this go. So do you want to know more detail and just throw out a whole bunch of other little tidbits and my coworkers are just kind of like, okay, okay, Boker, like you don't really care that much, but I so, thought it was cool. You know, I think that's the cool part too, is just having something to be excited about. I have the hardest time finding caterpillars, let alone, you know, any part of the gooey stage or even, yeah. you know, when they're first emer like emerging, I, I think the most exciting part would just be finding them in general. <laughs> yeah. I have the hardest time. Caterpillars are cool. I don't see them enough to get as pumped about it, but yeah, when I do see them. Have you ever seen the, um, um, the, I'm blanking, the Chrysopia moth caterpillar, like the really big one? Yeah. Um, we found one of those outside of the, the school that I teach at. I want to say in September, maybe September. And I put it in a little terrarium thing so that I could show it to people for the day. And I, I went for lunch and I came back and it was already in a chrysalis and I was like, Oh no. And it was attached in a way I could not move the thing. And they overwinter in their chrysalis and they need to be exposed to the cold if they're going to be hardy through the summer. So it's been sitting at my mother-in-law's for like months, but they usually come out like early May. So I actually need to go pick it up and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping it made it. And I know this sounds really like maybe kind of messed up, but if it didn't make it, I'm also really excited to cut it into the chrysalis and see, see no, what's there. Really, I mean, it's like a learning opportunity. Also, I'm so jealous of you, <laughs> like a little baby that you found. I cannot find them anywhere. There's maybe you've been, because I naturalist a lot just to see what's like in there. Yeah. There's probably been one or two reported within like a two hour radius of me. Like I'm not going to find one unless I'm. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, um, tell me about, we, we interviewed, um, Carrie Seltzer at iNaturalist back like really late last summer and did an episode about iNaturalist, but that was like their perspective and you know, the systems and, and that sort of thing and how, how it all works and what their goals are. Um, but we haven't really talked to anybody about like actually using it and, and the joy of that and like what, what all you can do with it. So yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, I think I downloaded it in June of last year and I don't think I used it for a while. I was just taking pictures of things and I thought like, I'll get around to it. Yeah. Um, then I started using it religiously. Like I know they have an option where you could see a calendar of the days you were like identifying things and how many you did. Mm -hmm. And you know, the entire month of August was just filled um, because I was outside every day using it. I yeah. love it. I think at least like a half an hour of my day is spent like looking to see what's around or what metro parks I haven't been to that, you know, there's a certain amount of mm -hmm. eagles at this marsh or whatever that I can go see. Um, I, at the end of last year, I had identified 126 species, um, which looking back doesn't feel like a lot compared to how many have been busting out in the last couple months. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that they do this kind of like sunburst diagram at the end to show you, yeah. um, you know, like there's tax on like what you've identified the most of or have seen the most. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a graph geek. So I, yes. I freak out about that too. I'll be honest. It like kind of took me back to high school when I didn't like reading graphs, but it was a lot easier to understand now that I had context and I was actively involved in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still use it now. Um, generally... I'll like take a bunch of the photos, come home and just upload them all at once. And then I love mm -hmm. coming back to see the notifications of like, well, this is this, and this is actually this. And people that I'm starting to recognize from the area will be like, oh, hey, because of this. And like explain to me why they're identified the, or the way that they are. Um, yeah. I, I, I could spend all day on it. I think I just checked before this call and I'm up to 201 species which is not bad considering I've been stuck in the house and it was cold. In the <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things I love about like the community of it. We actually, we started a, um, is it a project? I don't know if it's a project or, a, yeah, I think it's a project. We started a project for the wildlife that people can join. And um, actually I'm curious. I kind of want to look at how many, how many um, observations have been made since we did that. But 
the fact that you can, you know, so like, yeah, they have excellent photo recognition stuff, but the fact that you can just upload things and, um, like people will, will tell you what, you know, what, what they've seen. And, and they're not usually like rude if you get something wrong or if you have questions, like people are really willing to, um, yeah, we've had, uh, uh, 17,035 observations, 4,406 species. And that's just with seven observers. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me get in on that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like, so the funny thing is, is we put this together when we did that episode and we weren't getting a whole lot of people to like really invest and like get involved in it. And so, you know, I, I always add mine and my brother adds his and we didn't really think people were doing it. And then I went back and looked, you know, not that long ago and saw how many there were. And I was just kind of blown out of the water. I was like, Whoa, that is, that's amazing. Okay. 70,000. Um, you know, I think with iNaturalist, I, I mean, I owe a lot of me being able to identify like butterflies and anything else to that. But yeah. I think of, like Facebook groups too have helped me so much. Yeah. And it's not even that I'm like actively scrolling through every post or looking up every, you know, beetle I see in there, but even just, you know, if it's a quick like subliminal thing where I'm swiping and I don't know, a weevil shows up, I can recognize that in a mm -hmm. heartbeat without ever having seen it in my life in person. Like uh, I saw my first two butterflies of the year just a few weeks ago and I'd never seen either of them in person, but as soon as they flew by me, I was like, oh, morning cloak. Oh, great comma. Like, yep. I think, I don't know, I owe a lot of it to Facebook groups too. And generally they're pretty supportive and will nail it down to like, you know, the exact speed and will sometimes be like, well, this dot on this part of the wing means this. And will tell me like the sex of the species and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I, I think is really great about those two is so, I mean, yeah, field, field guides are, are great and I'm not like dissing field guides, but like field guides are, and this was always a problem. Like when I did ornithology class and stuff back in the day, like looking at a simply field guide and it's like the way it's portrayed is like, okay, if you have a perfectly clear close up chance to see this bird, this is what it looks like. And here are the intricacies but 90% of the time it's like blurry. <laughs> and so, um, or, you know, you can't see it because it's backlit or whatever. And so, you know, you go on these like Facebook groups and so many of the pictures are like, you know, someone zoomed in with their phone to some hawk up in a tree and it's people trying to guess at what it is. And, and so it's really good practice for like real life identification and observation and not like this perfect, you know, hypothetical world of like, oh yeah, this is what this looks like. It's like, oh no, this is like in practice types of identification. For sure. um, There's this, um, I just feel like you would love it. I don't know if you're in it already. There's this Facebook group called Crap Wildlife Photography. It's <laughs> the funniest, the funniest group I've ever been in where people will get photos like that of, you know, a butterfly 50 feet away where they're zooming in on their old 2011 Android and people will like, give them credit for it and be like yeah this is really crappy but good job for going out to find it or <laughs> identify it is like a joke but that feels more realistic than any you know photographer going out and getting this perfect shot that's all i just i looked it up when you said it and i like to join like to be able to join the questions uh, how do you define crap wildlife photography by clicking submit do you agree to accept any mockery that your pictures may incur oh yeah people post good ones and everybody's like what the heck? You don't belong here. You don't get it. Yeah, this is awesome. That's funny. Yeah, I, I, I bet there's probably some people who are like, oh, come on. I thought that was a pretty good picture. And then it's like, well, okay, that's that's uh, clearly not the point. Like, even if you go out and you're having a bad day, like trying to identify like photograph stuff, like your stuff is still celebrated. Your photos are still like appreciated there and you feel like you, you feel accomplished in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like it. It's a nice little place. So, um, what are your, um, earlier, earlier, you kind of mentioned like SciComm and stuff. So is that a, a long-term sort of, sort of goal for you? Or is it just kind of an interest side hobby? I mean, I think I would consider it more of an interest right yeah. now. So like I mentioned, I had gone into college wanting to pursue forensic anthropology and I still am ultimately like ending up with a, de a degree in that. Yeah. I had a couple years, a couple semesters where I was really enjoying it and it felt exactly like I wanted, like what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. um, I had some field experience where I was helping at crime scenes. I had an internship at a crime lab for a while. Oh, that's cool. 
putting like forensic and biological anthropology into play. And then in, you know, spending more time outside and identifying bugs, I realized that's something I really loved and enjoyed and would love to do like long-term or mm-hmm. in or do as a job or have a career in that anything that meant that I could do that and be outside or like consistently be on the verge of discovering something, um, even if I'm just in my own backyard. So I changed my major to environmental science my junior year, Uh, like last year, and I did so terribly in my classes. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I legitimately failed a class and I was like, shoot, maybe this is not for me. And um, I got some pretty good advice from one of my friends who is an accountant, but does like music and arts management on the side, Mm -hmm. really invested in like local bands and we're in a student org together for community arts and and engagement and she told me that sometimes your hobbies don't have to be your career path and I think Mm -hmm. I'm happier that way yeah Um, so I went back into forensic anthropology and you know I'm still like very versed in that and then this thing could be I guess like a side hustle (laughs) like I really enjoy it's a good um break from all the statistics where I could just you know see a six-spotted tiger beetle and be happy for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, so like, I mean, so so I'm currently a science teacher, but I mean, my I have not always been a science teacher. I, I, I worked for the DNR. I've been a naturalist, um, outdoor educator. Uh, I was a park ranger. Um, I did wolf conservation work for a few years. Um, I've been kind of all over the place, but like my first time around in college, I went for wildlife biology. And that was even after like changing my major like three or four times <laughs> that I settled on that. And like, so I love birds and, and it's always funny to me to think that the very first time I took ornithology, I got a flat F. Like I, I like fail, failed, like I fail, fail, failed. And, um, then the second time around I got an A and it was awesome. And I was really proud of it. But, but like it, it it's, it's it's sort of kind of one of those things where, you know, I, I did that stuff for a number of years and, um, you know, still some parts of me, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be really great to do as a career and stuff. And maybe someday I might want to get back into that kind of thing. Um, but it was really the education piece. That was always kind of my passion. And so that I ended up going back to school for, you know, to be, to be a teacher. And I, I really feel like it's, it allows me to like be really excited about my, passions and hobbies and stuff in the job that I have. Um, but also be able to have some separation and like compartmentalization, compartmentalization. I can do the podcast and it doesn't feel like an obligation. It's something that's, you know, fun and I'm not stressed about. Cause like, that's, that's, that's the hardest thing is when you find something like, especially wildlife or outdoors and it, and it becomes something that you're now stressed about and you're stressed to do it. And you're not just having the joy in doing it. And, and so I totally, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, absolutely. What I was saying, I, I think the fact that it isn't an obligation, it's up to me to decide how much I want to do of it. Yeah. No one's holding me to showing other people what things mean. Yeah. Um, it's totally just like my own thing to take and run with. And even when I was taking art classes, which like you'd think I would exceed at, or, you know, mm-hmm. Assume that I'd go on to have like an art degree, but I <laughs> I failed an art class too because I did not like the deadlines. Like that's yeah. something I do on my own time, and it ruined it for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm only just recently getting back into that. Like when I start started with oil paints again last May, like that had been very long time since the last time I was actively painting. You know, we. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think keeping it separate. I do have this like little fantasy dream of you know, working at the botanical garden that I frequent um, Mm -hmm. just because there's so many kids. There's like a children's garden and I'd found this um, just like a common Eastern bumblebee really tired on a flower. So I like pretty much just grabbed it and was trying to like nurse it back to health and give it like sugar water, let it, um, it looked like it had some sort of like honey or something, some sticky sticky substance on its back. Clean that off. Um, But a bunch of kids kind of circled around me when they saw it and I was Basically, just trying to get the point across that they're not scary. Yeah. Which, you know, like me a couple of years ago would have been like, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flying. Um, <laughs> but just like these kids kind of backing up. And then when I was talking about it, kind of coming forward and even just asking if they could touch it. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> but um, then there, I had, 
I want to say like five or six uh, Isabella tiger moth caterpillars on my hand and they'd come up and I'd talk to them about which ones you can touch, which ones you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, if I'm thinking about doing anything with like SciComm, it's really like just teaching kids about how things aren't scary because I wish someone had done that for me sooner. Yeah. And those, those moments are just so great too, where you can, I was, I was so, pr- my son is so, it's so funny. He's like so afraid of bugs. And, um, we had a spider like on the kitchen floor, like walking by and normally like he would freak out about him, but he's been really into Spider-Man lately. And he looked at it and goes, if it bites me, will I be Spider-Man? And I'm like, well, okay, no. Um, but it's probably not going to bite you. And he's like, well, are they nice? And I'm like, yeah, spiders are spiders are good. They're nice. And he's like, oh, okay. And like actually sat there and watched it and just kind of followed it around for a while. And I was like, yes, it, it just feels so good to be able to like do that for somebody. And, and yeah, I, and I think it's also too, I mean, um, not that I'm not like passionate about, te- like I'm incredibly passionate about teaching, but like some of these other things that you're passionate about, I think this is for, for everybody you know, passion is very much like an internal thing. You're, you're internally motivated and it it comes from inside. And so then when you have something outside telling you what the limits are and, and what you can do or what you should do with it, um, it's, it kind of, it kind of like puts that fire out a little bit and it, it, it's restricting. And so like, you know, doing things outside and, and, um, you know, cause you know, you could end up in a thing where, you know, you have one specific study species and I could see that being a really fun thing, but my attention span would not allow me to do that. <laughs> um, and I, and I feel like not doing that, you know, it's, it allows that passion to actually go. Um, and, and, and I can follow it and I, and I don't have to feel like, you know, I can only let it out in certain areas. I think as we've been talking about this, I'm kind of kind of putting together why I like butterflies so much and maybe why I consider them my favorite. It is because I see the most of them. Um, and I think, okay, I say favorite lately. I think you made the point of like not being limited and wanting to like have your focus in several areas and your attention span won't allow. Butterflies are easy because they're everywhere, but I think I'm equally excited about other things. So I, yeah, I think I've narrowed yeah. it down to my favorite because I see them the, mo- the most, but I could see anything but a tick and be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely me. I mean, I, I, I definitely, you know, like birds, I, I love birds. I have, I have four Darwin finches on my left arm and, um, but like, like people say like, what's your favorite animal? And like, that's the hardest question for me in the entire world. I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, but you're like the wildlife guy. Like, how do you not know your favorite animal? I'm like, there's too many. That's why. Your favorite animal. It's like, what's the, like your favorite feeling when you see animals? Like what's, what's the feeling when you see animals? It's not like, that's my favorite is the feeling that I get when I see any of them. Yeah. It's that, it's that feeling of like discovery and like, Oh, I found something. It's kind of like playing Pokemon. (laughs) <laughs> in a very real way it's like ooh, that's awesome i stumbled upon a pikachu but it's a Pika. just even the chance that you could come across something that no one's ever seen or hasn't been mm-hmm. well planted i this was before i was like super comfortable with spiders and even now it's like i haven't been around them enough to i guess yeah know, i don't know well we're developing somewhat of a relationship <laughs> A, um, a jumping spider on me the other day for 0.2 seconds and felt pretty accomplished. <laughs> but um, I found an orb weaver on my porch and it was so small. Like my five millimeter macro lens barely caught it. Um, and I threw it in iNet. I was putting it in Facebook groups. I, you know, tweeted about it. And mm-hmm. it, for a while, it felt like nobody was coming back with real answers about what it was. Um, and I was full on about to like, email people that were distinguished, like distinguished and had degrees and, you know, studied arachnids for their entire lives. Um, Then ultimately I found out it was just like a cross orb weaver, like a juvenile. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, this is a new species. Like no one's ever (laughs) identify it right away. Um, And I really thought I had just like this, this little, little dude that I can name (laughs) after my mom, like, 
and that that feeling I feel like is always what I'm going for um even if it ultimately turns out to be just like a you know a cross orb weaver like I had that yeah. moment of holy crap <laughs> this could be a thing yeah yeah it's kind of like it's kind of just like being like letting yourself be a kid again in a lot of ways it's like because you know when you're a kid everything's new and everything's kind of undiscovered and and you know you go to a new park and you're just like oh, this is a whole new place like you're some kind of explorer discovering some untouched place and like there's clearly trail signs and whatever and people have been there and there's a mountain dew bottle or whatever but like it still feels so you know full of wonder and um and that's that's kind of like why why um we do this whole thing you know like the podcast and stuff because um my attention span <laughs> in a lot of ways it's just like oh gosh there's so many cool things and i feel like people just in general don't know about all of these really really cool things that are like right under our feet and like right under our noses and two two feet away in the wall and uh and to be able to like talk about them a little bit i mean i even saw um this uh this beetle like on my back porch the other day and i've never seen it before i'm sorry you said it was like the flat yeah the red red flat bark beetle yes I had never seen one before and, and, uh, you know, normally I've gotten to a point where, you know, I, I go on a walk and I, I can name almost every single thing that I see, you know, birds, bugs, and flowers, you know, I, I've got it. And to see something new, it's just like, oh, and I was so, so happy to like, you know, especially discover. in an area you're so familiar with, like I've walked hundreds of miles at the, like of trails at the botanical garden I go to super often. I know that it's like the back of my hand. Yeah. I'm still finding these little things every once in a while that I don't know, make me feel like a kid like that. Um, yeah. I also, oh my gosh, in not realizing things like you mentioned, before I was really interested in finding bugs, I remember this so vividly and I'm mad at myself about it. Um, I was out in kind of like a strip mall with my friend. We were, you know, walking out of Bath and Body Works. Yeah pointed out this moth and looking back I'm like oh that's a really pretty like yellow and pink and it's kind of big and I looked at it for a couple seconds and then just like walked away mm -hmm. and then oh kind of reminiscing on that moment that was a rosy maple moth and like I would <laughs> those right now <laughs> oh so I'm paying extra attention so I don't let that happen again <laughs> yeah uh that's 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 definitely that's me and birds that's me and birds for sure where like I I literally in until I took ornithology, I, I, I think I would go so far as to say I hated birds. Like I thought they were annoying and I'm like, okay, like who likes birds? They're all over the, like, ugh, ugh, they're everywhere. Like I just did not care. And then I just became obsessed and I like, I, I can't even tell you how much time, especially lately I've spent with my face pressed against my back window, like looking at the birds in my backyard. And I have this Northern flicker that flies into my yard every single day and it lands and I try to get a picture of it and it flies away right when I snap the shutter. And so it's a blurry picture every time. And so I've been like, well, what can I do? Can I get like a camo net? Like what, <laughs> how can I get out there and get, get, get a look at this thing? But, um, you better be appreciative of that bird. Cause it's keeping you on your toes and that's what we all need right now. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely keeping me on my toes. I, I, I was joking yesterday talking to, to Ellen on the, the other podcast that, um, we were talking about elephants and how frequently they'll just sleep standing up because it's so hard for them to get back up once they get down. And I'm like, that is my constant state right now. If I sit down, I'm probably not going to get back up. So, so these birds in my backyard are like keeping me sane. <laughs> that, I, I will say a lot of the species I've identified since the beginning of the year have been birds. And that's not something I had a huge interest in mm -hmm. uh, to like, you know, this pandemic and I think just the beginning of the year but they're what's around when the bugs are underground and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so I started to, you know, have, we, we're, we're cool now. We're pretty tight or I can like recognize some of their uh, vocalizations and I'll see them. And I think what did it for me was the red winged blackbird. I didn't realize that they are like just showing up when spring starts. So yeah. see, we feel very optimistic, like, okay, here are all the cool ones. But for the time being, I was seeing sandhill cranes and, mm -hmm blue herons and i i appreciate them a lot more than i did yeah that's um I, I always joke every year and it's it's the truth is it's really not much of a joke but i always joke that like birds and frogs like cure my seasonal depression because <laughs> no and i <laughs> i know you're, you're saying it in a joking way but i am right there with 
but it's also like 100% not even a joke. <laughs> like I, we, there's this park that we go to and it's, you know, when it starts to turn a little bit spring, we'll go to the park. And if I don't hear frogs, I almost like leave more upset because I'm like, oh, it's winter. And then you start to hear the chorus frogs come out and then you have leopard frogs and it's like this whole like series. And it's just like, once they're out, you know, it's like for sure. It's not, it's not fool's winter or full spring anymore. And, and then like the birds, like the red winged blackbirds, you know, when you first see those or robins, um, robins are kind of tricky because it depends on where you live, but sometimes they stay all year, even though they're supposed to be migratory. I mean, their name's Turtus migratorius. Like it's literally right in the name. Um, but, but yeah, like being able to see things like that, it's like, ah, okay. It's, it's that time of year. I think helps. the favorite part about this conversation so far is that we're living very similar lives, similar lives on different sides of the U.S. Like not that you're mm -hmm. so far away from me, but I literally just for the first time saw a leopard frog a couple weeks ago. And yeah. it was, I like went down to this marsh area and there was the chorus of frogs, like you said. And I, I don't know, I think it's really cool that like, from where you're at and where I'm at, we're having the same like exciting experiences that do the same for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, I think, I think people listening, I, I like, I hope so that it's kind of the same thing. I, I would imagine that there's a lot of people out there who are like having the same kind of experience and seeing the same sorts of things. Um, I'm always really curious. And I just saw like this really awesome thread on Twitter yesterday about like people saying the five common, most common birds that they see in their yard. And so people were just sharing what five birds they see in their yard all around the world. And like the diversity of the things that were on the list was just awesome. Um, but there was also a lot of similarities. And so it's kind of like in this time of, you know, a lot of isolation and like anxiety and uncertainty about a lot of things to be able to look around and, and be able to look outside is sort of a commonplace. And the things that you're seeing outside are like these shared experiences. And it's not just that you're experiencing them in isolation. And that's one of the things I love about like iNaturalist is, you know, it's such a community thing. And so, yeah, you know, interest in the outdoors and animals and, and insects and things, you know, some of it is that like that individual discovery and that individual passion, but it's really, really cool to be able to share that passion with people. And it's really cool when you can find other people who have that same passion and you can share it with each other right. and, and build a community like that. So, um, I, I don't know. I'm excited about this. And I think like the kind of like, bond we've shared over this even like on social media um i do have a lot of friends that are seriously questioning where i all of a sudden started liking this stuff <laughs> i think in, in a sense like I, I agree i love talking about insects and animals with other people who are like familiar with the with the subject mm -hmm. at the same time i love messing with my friends where <laughs> like <laughs> i will do anything i can to kind of show up or show off <laughs> they get so sick of it but in a sense, that makes me feel like I really know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I have this funny story from just a couple months ago. Um, I was at Barnes and Noble with one of my friends and I'm just trying to pick up a couple books. And I, I found this one where it was like butterflies of the Midwest or something like that. So I threw it at her and I was like, flip to any page. I bet you I can name it. And I want to say 17 pages later, I hadn't missed one. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Something about talking to people who have no idea about it too. Yeah. Weird flex, but <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm at a point too, where, um, like my friends and family, when I, I can just completely make something up and to say it so deadpan that they think I'm being 100% and they'll just buy it. And so like, I'll see, you know, they'll show me an animal and I'll make up some completely like false name and some crazy story about its biology. And they're just like, oh, wow, that's interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> like completely messing around. Um, what's really sad is I do it frequently enough that like my wife will say like, what's this called? And I'll, you know, like that red flat bark beetle. And she's like, okay, so is that actually what it's called? Or like, are you messing with me? I'm like, no, that's actually what it's called. <laughs> but no, I, I, I know what you mean. I'm incredibly guilty of the same sort of thing. It, yeah. I, at the same time, we're, we're knowledgeable, but we're monsters about it. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, they, my friends and, and stuff, they like live for the moments where they can stump me. Like they, my wife and, and my best friend, they still hold this story over me where we were at the Minnesota state fair 
and the DNR had a table and they had some hawks out and they had a really small hawk, like it was a juvenile and I could not tell what it was. And I was trying to be like intellectually honest because they were like, oh, hey, what is it called? I'm like, I don't know. I honestly can't get a good enough look. I don't see under its wings. I can't see its primaries really well. Like I, I'm really not sure. And they're like, what is it? And so after like 15 minutes of pestering me, they were like, just make a guess. Just make a guess. And I was like, ah, fine. Uh, I don't know, a, a juvenile broad-winged hawk. And it ended up being a red-shouldered hawk. And and because they forced me to guess, and then I guessed incorrectly, every time I talk to them now, they're like, hey, is that a, red, is that a broad-winged hawk over there? Anytime they see a picture of a red-shouldered hawk on like a Facebook group, they send it to me just to pester me. I'm like, okay, great. But hey, that's like one thing, like one thing you've caught me on in years. So I still, I mean, that's like a 99% success rate. So I feel okay. I definitely, I think if I'm not super positive about things, I'll generally stay within like, you know, the order or maybe the class. And that feels like enough for me where I'll be like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm yeah. talking about. But really not at all. Yeah. Or like the, oh, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's a bug. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's pretty neat. <laughs> uh I will I do want to talk about just like real quick for a second because I think it's hilarious oh yeah <laughs> and I feel like you'll appreciate it so um back in 2013 my grandma had passed away and mm-hmm. anytime I went to go visit um at the cemetery this little little bug would just land on her name and yeah. I took that and ran with it I know I was talking a little bit of smack about people who assign meaning to <laughs> like butterflies but um literally every time and I'd gone down to Alabama that summer and one landed on my boat or on my canoe Mm -hmm. and um so I just started to associate them with her and in my mind those were dragonflies I was like oh yeah that's a dragonfly I didn't know what kind specifically but I knew that it was one so on my um the day after my 18th birthday I got one tattooed Mm -hmm. on my arm and it wasn't until I want to say like August of last year that I realized there's a difference between dragonflies and damselflies. <laughs> and I got that <laughs> tattooed. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, I actually have a really similar story about. Um, well, and this one was a dragonfly, so that's that's funny that you said that because I, I have a very very similar story, and it was actually with my grandmother, um, with with dragonflies and a lot of you know, association and stuff there. I I do have a friend who. Um, He's a bit of a dragonfly specialist, and then their daughter uh, got a dragonfly tattoo, and he was really upset with her because it has the incorrect amount of segments. <laughs> He's like, it's supposed to have nine segments, and this one has eight. And I'm like, cut her some slack, but <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I have I have incorrect tattoos for sure. I have um I meant to get a moth tattooed on my arm. It's giant. It's one of the bigger tattoos that I have. Um, and I I mean it's traditional style, and I let my tattoo artist kind of, you know, run with it and do what he mm-hmm. wanted. I realized afterwards that it had both um, like the bulbous antennae and then the more feathery kind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That right. Is it a butterfly? Is it a moth? (laughs) It looks like moth, but it made me laugh that I know the difference and that inaccurate, but like no one else is going to (laughs) know. Yeah. Well, it gives you stories and it gives you something to to like geek out about a little bit and stuff. It's definitely a good conversation piece. Like yeah. people who know what, who know what's wrong with it. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I really like your um your backdrop. There. Yes, I set up my desk just so you would see that. Yeah, that I I've been like trying to pick out individual things across it this whole time. I keep like getting a little distracted and looking at. Ooh, it's even better. Yeah, that's awesome. There's even more layers. It's a little artsy, so not everything is accurate, but um, that was the bagworm. Um, well um that 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 there about wraps up our conversation with uh, maria hancocks we we went on to talk a, a little bit more about a couple of other things um but i just wanted to say uh, thank you um, for for being on the show uh, thank you for the conversation and i think you said it best that um right now and in, in these in these trying times and these times of isolation but also a lot of a lot of connection and a change in the way that we use um, social media and um, a change in the way that we're interacting. It's nice to to talk to somebody in a different place um, 
who has had very similar experiences, and, and I'm hoping that the people listening um, can find that same sort of solace, I guess, and uh, listening to the conversation. Um, again, if you would like to be on to do the same sort of thing, send us a message. Um, also, if you become a patron at patreon.com slash the wildlife, automatically you get the opportunity to do so. And then remember that next Friday, so Friday, May 1st at 7 p.m., we will be hosting live trivia for our 50th episode along with a few big announcements and um, really, really, really looking forward to that. So uh, if you are interested in participating, please fill out the contact form in the episode notes and we'll go from there. All right. Thank you for listening and stay safe.